The opinions and statements expressed in the following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Good afternoon, everyone, and thank you so much for joining us for another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB, Talk 860, and womentowatch.net. Uh, we're going to have a great show this afternoon. I have two really wonderful women uh, who are going to be joining us and a couple of quick show notes. If you're listening and you want to join in on the conversation, we would love to hear from you. And you can do so by dialing 888-329-3306. That's 888-329-3306. And I uh, invite you to visit our website at womentowatch.net. That's women the number two watch.net to see all of the great things that we have going on, um, including some brand new contributors to the show. So um, also I, I wanted to give a quick mention to the listeners who are um, familiar with Dr. Beth Dupree. She's off to Australia for three weeks to have a wonderful, well-deserved break uh, and some time with her sister. So we won't be hearing from her for, for a little while. Um, so today we have we do have a, our other monthly contributor, uh, Tish Scolero, who is the founder and CEO of Candor Consulting. She's also founder and CEO of Roadmap, um, and she is the author of Head Trash. And Roadmap is is her latest venture, and um, basically what it is is a preparation platform for life's transition. Uh, it's a really exciting and new, wonderful um, online program that is going to be used for uh, students who are getting ready to enter the workforce. And we also have joining us, uh, waiting in the wings, Jenny Kuta. Jenny is founder and CEO of Squeaky.com. She is the author of Wall Street Cinderella, and she is also the founder of VC Network. Um, Jenny, I invite you to, to join in as we hear from Tish uh, at the top of the show. We're going to be talking about one of the uh, traits that is mentioned in her book, Head Trash, and that is insecurities uh, that professional people face. So welcome to the show to both of you. Thank you, Anne. Uh, Thank you. Nice to uh, e-meet you as well, Tish. Thank you, Susan. Yes. So, Tish, go ahead. Let's let's talk about, um, as I mentioned, I I refer to your book often. You know that I'm a huge fan of Head Trash. And uh, we thought it might be beneficial for the listeners to kind of break down each month one of the individual traits that you really, um, um, you know, describe and talk about and its effect on business and success. And today we're going to talk about insecurity. Yes, head trash really capitalizes on the motions that we live with every day and tend to create challenges for us as we're making decisions. Last month, we covered fear and that inability to make tough decisions and to avoid decision-making. Today is about insecurity, which, as you mentioned earlier, self-esteem and confidence and the things that we as women want to help inspire other women to have well, insecurity is a big culprit of that. It's when we have self-doubt win out over everything else. So it's a tricky one. It certainly is. And 
the reason I find it the most challenging out of all of the uh, different emotional tendencies we talk about in Head Trash is because we do it to ourselves. And it's that negative voice that only we hear that seems extremely loud and very noisy and just tells us how great we aren't and the things that we don't do well and reminds us that we shouldn't be there because we haven't earned it. It's that that negative self-doubt about ourselves that we have to live with and try to fight day in and day out. You know, it's always so interesting to me, Tish, because you work with some very, very successful executives and entrepreneurs, and even after years of their proven success, they still have, you know, those negative voices. What have you learned in working with um, some of your clients? And, and, of course, what are some of the things you say to them, the tips, in order to work through the insecurity? Sure, and that's a great question, Susan, because sometimes people don't even recognize what's actually happening to them. And I find that um, those that are extremely successful are the ones that have the insecurity because it's a very challenging and trying uh, position to be in when you're always either making decisions, visibly looked upon, and it's impossible to always be perfect and be right. And a lot of it is, is self-driven. So one is, you know, having insecurities about ourselves when healthy. And as you remember, the book talks about what's a healthy emotion that transitions over to an unhealthy emotion, right? And that's when we call it head trash. Insecurity is fair to say that we may not know everything. And there are times we're not sure as we could do stuff. I know it myself. When I'm starting with a new client, I always say, gosh, I hope I can help them. And then I quickly remind myself, well, I'm going to give it my best, and I'm sure I've done it before. We'll do it again. But those that have insecurity don't get that second piece to the puzzle is they then start to have extreme self-doubt and say, well, you know what? I probably can help them, and I better not even try to help them because I won't know what I'm doing. So when clients come to me and they talk about things like impostering, like imposter syndrome is one of the things I find a lot mm. where they don't feel as if they are capable of being where they are, even though it was them that got them there. Right. As a matter of fact, when I do a lot of um, presentations on this, I tell a true story about a young woman who, upon receiving a promotion, decided to resign for fear that she really was not capable of doing that job. So instead of being found out, she left. It's really our, our, our worry that we didn't earn the right to be there and, and then feel that we're going to have these self-sabotaging thoughts constantly and we might as well not even try. Mm. And, you know, when it's your own voice talking to you, it's kind of hard to interject when you have just you to talk to. So it, again, raises the question of how challenging it could be. Or even those that have trouble taking a compliment. How many times have you said to someone, gee, that was a great presentation, or you sounded really good on the radio, thank you. And instead of saying thank you back, they start to give you all the reasons that it could have been better mm. or yes. why that wasn't the best they've ever done. And that sort of negativity is what they constantly hear inside their head. And so one of the exercises I do when I find that this is something people have is I, I ask them to, again, write something down. And I'm a big believer. If you write it, it's real. If you think it, it kind of skates away. Write down the things you feel you're good at as well as the things you don't feel you're good at. And you'll be surprised that that list is, is pretty equal. You're going to have as many good things as you have as not great things. And that starts to get them comfortable with, hey, I do do those things well. People do look at me for, for strength in that area. And that starts to build confidence because, to me, 
the key differentiator between having a healthy sense of insecurity and an unhealthy one is your own self-confidence to be able to talk yourself through that it's okay not to be perfect. It's okay not to know everything, but I'm still going to be able to give it my best shot. And, you know, it reminds me of the the conversations we have often on the show about being proud, you know, just really taking the time to be proud of our accomplishments. And for whatever reason, I do think that women struggle with that more than men. Do you find that in your work? What I find in the work I do is that insecurity is masked differently with another emotion. One could be control, which I find women more than men have where they try to have control over everything going on so there isn't anything they possibly couldn't know. So no one can figure out they don't know everything. With men, I find it masked by arrogance, where they don't let you know anything because they're the only ones that should know everything. But quite honestly, they're doing that because they don't know everything. So I don't know if it's more in women than it is in men. I just think what I find as the combinations, which is underneath what's causing the insecurity, it differs. Yes. You know, I'm anxious to talk to Jenny about this a little bit um, as well, because she, you know, she certainly um, spent many, many years working in an industry that was predominantly male. Um, and I know that she has great advice for um, being successful in that type of a culture and an environment. Um, Tish, did you want to uh, quickly mention, be, are you going to stay on with us or do you have to run? I would love to, but I cannot. Okay. Um, but Go ahead. I would like to offer that if people wanted to learn a little bit more about this emotion insecurity mm -hmm. or the book itself, Head Trash, which carries the seven emotions that we'll talk about over the next couple of months, you can go to the website, headtrash911.com. Again, it's headtrash911.com. And if you'd like, take the index. That's an online for free um, assessment of where do some of these emotions impact you. And if insecurity is one of them, um, we usually give you a little tidbit of what to do no matter what score you have. You can always reach out. I'd be happy to help um, at Tish at candor-consulting.com if you had any questions. Okay. That's terrific, Tish. Thanks so much as always. I really appreciate your time each month. Uh, great advice. Oh, you're quite welcome. Okay. Have a great day. Okay. Take care. Take care. Have a good show, ladies. Bye-bye. Thank you. So, uh, Jenny, I would like to welcome you to the show. And again, for the listeners, we're joined this afternoon by Jenny Kuta, who is the founder and CEO of Squeaky.com. She is the author of Wall Street Cinderella and founder of VC Network. Je uh, Jenny, welcome to the show. Well, thank you for having me, Susan. It was uh, very nice uh, to listen in uh, between uh, you and Tish just now. I'm probably going to check out her book pretty soon it sounds great it, it is a great book and it's you know it's an easy read and it's something that i think most most everyone can relate to uh because again you know outside of our expertise and, and skills in our particular industries we all share the same emotions um and traits and she has some really good storytelling in her book that helps people uh relate to you know figure out their own and, and work on them so I, I know that you'll enjoy it uh Certainly, and, and I totally believe about the insecurity. I mean, of any women on the face of the planet, I will probably be the last woman on the planet to have any insecurity. But, you know, to be honest, um, I do have uh, insecurity, just as what you and uh, Tish were talking about. But uh, it also surrounds um, 
the people that uh, around you. Like, uh, I have a great partner. Um, you know, we recently uh, went through some kind of really uh, stressful situation, and and she was there to uh, to de-stress me and 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 pull away all of that insecurity. So sometimes the people around you help as well. So uh, it's great, and I, I appreciate listening in on on that conversation learning about Tish and her book. Yeah, great. Well, I want to start, you know, Jenny, your story really is um, quite amazing, very inspirational, and and, uh, I'm excited to to have you and and talk about all the different paths that you've taken. But, of course, I'd want to start with your beginning and uh, your journey from Vietnam at the age of six. Um, My first question to you regarding that experience is, what is your most vivid memory of being six years old and coming to the U.S. with your mom? Uh, certainly, and uh, if I may excuse myself with your audience, my voice uh, don't usually sound this deep. Um, I'm uh, thankful that I got my voice back, but I've been uh, uh, really sick the last couple of days, and I did oh. not really want to miss your show, but I'm very thankful that I got my voice back. So it sounds a little bit sexy today. (laughs) Don't mind that. Um, But uh, back to your show and back to your question. Uh, You know, it's it's funny thing is, um, you know, uh, I love kids and I love children and I have lots of nephews and nieces. Um, Around at the age of six, you know, I can only imagine that, you know, here living in here in America, um, they think nothing except, you know, going to the park, going to the beach, um, you know, being with loving parents, um, buying them everything, you know, at Toys R Us, for example. But with me, when I was six years old, um, it was totally different. Um, I was on a boat, uh, didn't know if we were going to live or die, um, just my mom and my brother and myself. Um, you know, so it, it was a really... It's difficult to forget, but to bring myself back to that day when I was six years old, climbing the mountains, trying to hide from, you know, the communists so that we can literally, quote, unquote, escape uh, to freedom on a little fishing boat, um, it it was something that I would never forget. And as a six-year-old, I believe that was the beginning of – the founding of my strength and conviction um, of never to start something and not to end it. Um, you know, at the time, it was actually my mother. Um, she wanted to take my brother and myself um, to the land of the free, uh, free education, free life, um, you know, health, uh, everything that we have now in America that. I believe a lot of us are taking it for granted, um, and I never do take things for granted. And um, it was such conviction from my mother that I've learned from a very, very young age that whatever it is that I put my head and my hands or my heart towards, um, I do not ever give up of, of, um, of, of, you know, taking it all the way to the finish line. So. That's one of the things that I've learned um, at a very young age, uh, around five or six years old, because of what I, uh, you know, I- I've gone through. Yeah, you know, certainly that's that's an experience that n- not many people have gone through. And uh, I read where you uh, mentioned you feel you inherited um, both your your father's adventurous side and your your mother's determination. 
Is that something you came to know later in life, or did you feel that as a young girl? Well, it's it's a little bit both. Um, you know, back to when I was five or six years old, holding my mother's hand as she was, you know, dragging us up the mountains, and we didn't know what we were doing, of course. Uh, we just followed her, and we knew our father wasn't there. He was already a, a prisoner of war. Um, and, of course, life around that time moved very, very quickly for me. Um, you know, we, we, we left, and then we got to the uh, refugee camp, uh, in Hong Kong, and all these refugee situation around the world right now actually brings a lot of memories back to me when I was um, that little girl. Um, I can see the Syrian refugees. Um, you know, all of these things are happening right now. It's like a flashback. But to answer your question, basically, is um, I began to learn more about my father, uh, why he was a prisoner of war uh, during the Vietnam War, and who he was, and, and he spoke five or six different languages. Um, he was educated here in America, uh, went back to Vietnam and, and fought for uh, his people, and, uh, and he was captured. Um, and he was, in, he was a prisoner of war for thir 13 years, and, and there were a lot of stories about that in my book, Wall Street Cinderella. Um, but basically, uh, I learned much about my father um, as I began to write letters to him when we were already here in America. Um, my mom taught me uh, the Vietnamese language, of course, uh, being raised here uh, as, as uh, an American uh, Vietnamese, Vietnamese-American. Uh, English is, is my language. So Vietnamese is actually my second language where my mother taught me uh, to write letters to my father who was in prison at the time of course, I could have easily written letters to my dad in English because he knew the English language well. But, of course, he would be scrutinized in prison because the, the, the guards would not know what the, the English uh, meant, and so they would not give him the letters to read. So that's why my mother had to teach me how to read and write Vietnamese for the purpose of communicating with my dad while he was uh, a prisoner of war. Uh, but yes, um, you know, both my mother and my father had unique traits that I believe I have conquered uh, each of, of, of their uniqueness. And uh, from there, it brought me the strength and conviction uh, that it led uh, me to the person that I am today. Um, founded uh, two broker dealers um, on Wall Street, which I believe I am still the only woman uh, in America who uh, have done so. Uh, broker-dealers are different from investment banking firms. Broker-dealers are more regulated, um, and, and I've done that twice. Um, and now I'm, I'm, I'm the founder and CEO of Squeaky.com, the first of its kind social net worthing platform, uh, and I'm very proud of that. And uh, recently, uh, I'm also so, so honored and proud to be partner with um, a great entrepreneur, uh, half away around the world, uh, Shinta, um, with a very long last name, and, and I try not to mess up her name, but people <laughs> nickname her and call her Shinta Boo Boo because she's a pioneer and trailblazer in Indonesia, and she launched uh, Boo Boo uh, before Google even became Google. Uh, that's how fascinating this woman is, um, which is vcnetwork.co. So, 
I do have a full plate, and, and I love what I do, and I continue to uh, pioneer and, and trailblazer uh, for all the women out there who, who needs a helping hand to do uh, what they do best and conquer the world as I have. Well, first, Jenny, you know I'm um, happy to hear you talking about how proud you are in light of the conversation Tish and I had at the at the top of the show. It is important, and I think it's one of the things that, um, you know, we all need to work on uh, as women um, is to be proud of our accomplishments. Um, I, I wanted to talk about the book for a minute, and uh, you had mentioned that you wrote uh, the book, um, and it's about your years on Wall Street, and you did that to empower women by showing them the path to building wealth, power, and success. Tell me what, what power means to you and, and why you think it's important for women in particular to have power. Okay, that's a great question. Um, prior to answer your quick question there, I wanted to uh, let your audience and listeners uh, in on why they could not find a copy of my book yet. Uh, Nicole Cody, uh, the co-author of my book and myself, uh, finished a book about a year, two years ago. Uh, we were in the process of uh, launching it, just like Tish and her book, uh, but uh, I was basically approached by a um, movie uh, producer, which we're still in talks today, uh, that he was looking to um, uh, uh, bring the, the book out to uh, a movie. Um, so, you know, we thought about holding the book back until we're further into uh, the thoughts of bring it out into the movie. So that's the reason why the book hasn't yet been, been released. Uh, so that's the, the part to that. Um, then back to your question in terms of, uh, of the meaning of power. Um, my peer definition uh, in terms of power unlike many that I have met along the way, and, and I believe both you and Tish uh, mentioned a little bit earlier about the egotistical of men um, who always say, who always would say that they know everything, but the fact of the matter is they don't. Uh, <laughs> they speak very manly, but at the end of the day, um, you know, uh, women pick better stocks. I mean, there are surveys of surveys and data and data out there that uh, women pick much uh, better stocks than men, and the countries that's being uh, empowered by women, run by women, um, uh, economically are actually better than men. Uh, those are some of the data that I've read. So in, in terms of power, maybe to a lot of the men, it's about, you know, the, uh, the money they have in their bank, um, you know, how much power they have over other. Uh, it, it's about the power trip. Um, funny thing to that is uh, the meaning of the word power to me uh, is not that way. You know, I actually sent out a tweet um, just half an hour before I hop on with you because I read about how Taylor Swift, um, you know, gave $250,000 to a friend of hers to fight uh, the legal system. Uh, on, on something about, uh, you know, her, her friend's contract being stuck with Sony or something like that. Mm. Now that, to me, is power, how Taylor Swift used her money to empower other women. Now, if I were to be in a similar shoes in terms of wealth and, 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 and power like Taylor Swift, I would probably do the exact same thing. So 
power to me is not about how much money you have in your bank. Well, of course, to a certain extent, uh, it, it, it does help. But how you use that money, how you use that power, how you use your name, your uh, 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 um, uh, empowering other women or empowering other people to help other people. It's not about me, myself, and I. It's not about how you know rich I am uh, in terms of how much zeros I have in the bank. Um, but it is what I do with that amount of money sitting in my bank that empowers other. So I, I cannot speak, you know, heartfelt enough about the word power, the, the meaning of the word power um, in my life, because I've been there. I've done that, meaning that I was raised as a welfare child. Um, uh, I never knew that I would be uh, where I am today. I never knew um, I would be driving the kind of cars that I do today. Uh, those who are very close to me do know what kind of cars I drive. But but that those are all meaningless if what I do to that money and my fame doesn't help others. So um, I hope what I've mentioned makes a little sense, but that's how I truly feel about the word power. The bottom line really is is power is a part of empowerment. To other people it's mm -hmm. not about me myself and I or who you are but what you have uh, that God is giving to you use that and to empower other that's that's my core belief yeah well I I agree with that wholeheartedly and I would add that it's also the ability to influence others um, and and exactly. I right so that you know exactly when you're when you're doing in a positive way of course um, so exactly. that yeah that's a great definition um, so, Jenny, you've had two successful ventures as, as founder and CEO of Titan Securities, um, which was acquired in 2005. And prior to that, you were uh, the driving force behind Vantage Investments, um, which you founded at the age of 27. So here's what I would like to know. To what do you credit your success at such a young age, the ability to, you know, at that age have the confidence uh, beyond, you know, beyond the personal development part of it, um, you have to have um, a confidence in your business abilities. Well, you know, um, you, you're right. Uh, in terms of Vantage Investment, I actually founded uh, that first company when I was 25. Uh, at the age of 27, I was already a multimillionaire. So uh, I'm very proud of that. Um, again, we spoke with Tish earlier about being um, you know, self-proud, and I'm, I'm always very proud of what I had accomplished. Um, but to answer your, your question, prior to being uh, the founder of, of that first broker-dealer, um, and, and, and it wasn't easy, um, you know, I, I can, any, any men or women uh, looking into applying for a broker-dealer application uh, with FINRA and the SEC, will know exactly what I mean by saying that it is not easy. It's like a little Goldman Sachs or a little, a little Morgan Stanley. You've got to follow the same rules, same regulation. Um, but how and why um, I was able to have the thrive to do what I did 
was because of a number of failures prior to that. So prior to to being the founder and CEO of Vantage Investment, I was working for a number of uh, broker-dealers myself, large firms from Shears and Lehman Brothers, who is now Goldman, uh, I mean Morgan Stanley, to a number of independent broker-dealers. And uh, to those who are on Wall Street will know, even to this very day, that uh, the men predominantly dominate these uh, investment banking firms, broker-dealers. Um, so as a registered rep or a uh, financial consultant, which were some of my titles at the time, um, I usually get jack, um, excuse the French, I don't think, I think that's an okay word. I get ripped off, you know, uh, compensations were not being paid, um, trades that I, 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 I did, um, you know, were taken by an, another male colleague saying that, you know, still a lot of things that were not fair for a woman at that time. This was, uh, uh, you know, uh, at least 20 years ago, okay? So, of course, I hated that. Um, uh, by, by, by fighting against those kind of things as a woman, and I was in my early 20s, um, so I had to thrive the conviction. Mm -hmm. um, I knew what's right and what was wrong. Um, of course, I resign and I join a different firm and, and stuff like that. But the same old, same old keep on happening. Mm -hmm. So it was from those problems, you know, that I built this conviction. And I said, you know what? I'm going to build this firm and I'm going to hire all these men, okay, who were good men, who, who didn't cheat kind of a men, but they were in a bad firm and that I would treat them right and not only them, um, but I would also hire women and treat them right, and that was exactly that I did. Um, so it was through those convictions, and even to today, uh, when I founded Squeaky, or even as late uh, as most recently when I founded VC Network, um, I tend to be the founder and CEO of a company because there were problems leading up to such entity. Um, you know, so... When I founded Squeaky, um, I, I saw a lot of problems, which still persist to this very day, about the social media industry. And, and I believe that when I founded Squeaky, a lot of those problems were resolved under Squeaky. And the same goes with vcnetwork.co. When I founded uh, vcnetwork.co with my partner Shinta, um, we together um, you know, learned there were a lot of problems within the investment banking world, the, the funding, uh, how women are not being funded uh, as much as the, their male uh, 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 in comparison. So, you know, if I were to advise women and empower other women on what she would do uh, when it comes to selecting a business, like, uh, you know, earlier we talked to Trish about that, um, is, is to look around you, and, and certainly you will certainly find problems around you, and based upon those problems, um, start something uh, to help resolve that problem, and, and alongside with that, not only you're helping yourself, but you're helping um, other people as well.
That's right. That's what a great tip. You know, uh, some of the best businesses and companies and organizations were were founded, you know, based on a problem and someone wanting to solve that problem. Um, and actually, I love, Jenny, I love the story of when and where your idea for Squeaky came from. We're going to take a quick break for our sponsors, and when we come back, I'd love for you to share that story. There are 365 days to schedule a mammogram. Today is as good as any. Holy Redeemer Breast Care makes it easy. We offer the latest technology like 3D mammography and automated breast ultrasound that help find cancers in dense breast tissue. Plus, our same-day readings mean same-day peace of mind. Make today the day you schedule a mammogram. It's easy to request an appointment online at holyredeemer.com slash mammogram. Since 1858, Mount St. Joseph Academy has been educating girls to be leaders, founders, and independent thinkers. Students are taught to be collaborative, courageous, compassionate, confident, and spiritual. In this student-centered environment, the young women are transformed by recognizing their own potential and are encouraged to use it to make a difference in the world. To learn more about Mount St. Joseph Academy, go to www.msjacad.org or call 215-233-3177. That's msjacad.org or 215-233-3177. Welcome back, everyone, to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 and womentowatch.net. We are joined this afternoon by Jenny Kuta, who is the founder and CEO of Squeaky.com, um, author of Wall Street Cinderella, which I hope will soon be made into a movie, and founder of VC Network. And, uh, Jenny, I do, I love, you know, what you were just speaking about in um, kind of paying attention to what's in your surroundings, and when you see an issue that needs to be tackled, um, that might very well be the idea for a business. And uh, that was kind of the story for you um, when you came up with the idea for Squeaky. So can you talk about that briefly, your your walk along the beach in California? Yes. Uh, you know, it's uh, I love Southern California. I live up in Northern California, Silicon Valley before, uh, so I, I, and of course I grew up in Central California, which uh, was Fresno, California. And uh, ever since I moved down to Southern California, I really never wanted to leave. I love the beaches, so I've always uh, lived by the beach. And uh, you know, it was around 2010, um, you know, when the Facebook of the world, the Twitter of the world, were just beginning um, to emerge. And um, you know, my in my email box. I would get tons of invites to check out this or that social media sites. And uh, one day, of course, I did. I, I check out, you know, a couple of social media sites around that time. And uh, after uh, playing around with them for a couple weeks, I immediately see um, the problems that, uh, uh, you know, that I predicted uh, at the time. Keep in mind, uh, when I was on Wall Street, uh, you know, most of us are analysts. Uh, we make predictions to uh, buy and sell stocks, obviously. Um, you know, you cannot make uh, money in stocks if you were to uh, buy it uh, when the news come out. By the time the news is out, it would be too late because mm-hmm. the stock would either be really up, up, or down, down. So 
Um, so as an analyst, that's that's how I do it as well, as I forecast things, I foresee things uh, that could or could not happen in the future. So, um, so I uh, jog on the beach one morning, and all of a sudden uh, things came about, and I, I took a twig uh, found on the beach, and I began to draw um, somewhat of a blueprint uh, right on the sand. This was uh, about 5 a.m. in the morning. And, um, you know, and, and when I was doing that, uh, honestly, I, I, I don't remember that I was doing it. It's just something like just came into me. And when I was done, I was looking at this, this, this drawing on the sand, and it was like a masterpiece to me. And, and I was at awe, and I said, oh, my gosh, I need to run and get my cell phone to take a picture of this and before anybody else comes out and start walking all over it. Uh, make the whole story short, <laughs> I uh, ran to my car, and uh, that happens to be one of those days that I did not have my cell phone. So I uh, was still totally upset, and then I saw in the, the little cup uh, holder container uh, there was somehow was a marker uh, in there. So I, uh, you know, figure the next best thing is I, I took out my white uh, shirt because I was jogging that morning. I was in the car doing that, and I put my hoodie back on, took my white T-shirt and that marker, ran back out to the sand, and literally start copying what I drew on the sand on this uh, T-shirt. So I still have that T-shirt to this very day. I've actually had offers uh, up to six figure now for that t-shirt uh which uh i still haven't yet uh wanted to sell um the orange county register uh, a local paper right in orange county where i live uh did an exclusive on that piece and anybody wants to google that will see a picture of that t-shirt uh so that's the story to that and and um i recently sat down with a very uh good friend of mine um and uh you know and she was looking at that T-shirt, and it actually uh, uh, mimicked exactly of what Squeaky is today. So, um, you know, the idea, uh, again, another part to this short story is sometimes a man or a woman we call entrepreneurs or startup. Sometimes when you have an idea, it too is not easy to take that idea and turn it into reality like I did. I was very fortunate um, it takes a lot of conviction. It takes a lot of uh, manpower and money and focus um, to take an idea to uh, the fully blown squeaky platform that the whole world can see today and register and get a profile for free and check it out. Um, it was a four or five year process, um, and and I'm very uh, thankful that that and I'm very fortunate that I was able to do, to do that, that to turn my uh, simple idea uh, from that T-shirt, from the sand, to what we're seeing today, uh, that the whole world uh, can go in and check it out, which is uh, squeaky.com. And you know what? I want to be sure to, to spell that for the listeners, because if they're not looking at that, it's S-Q-U-E-E-Q-E-E. Correct. Actually, if I may correct you, uh, there do. is no use. Yeah, there is no use in squeaky. So it's just simply uh, S Q double E Q double E dot com. Okay. Yes. I, I spell it a little bit uniquely, but uh, 
Uh, yes, that's uh, pronounced squeaky. Yeah, well, and we'll put that information out um, correctly after the show. Um, you know, actually, Jenny, I would say that the time frame between your idea on the beach and the actual launch of uh, the company was was not that long. And I'm wondering, were there, you know, setbacks during that time? Oh, yes, there were actually a lot of setbacks. Actually, uh, the T-shirt came about in 2010. And um, if I were to mimic the story of uh, our billionaire, Mr. Mark Zuckerberg, um, I have a very similar uh, path that uh, that Zuckerberg went through. Uh, but I was on the side of uh, the Winklevoss twins, uh, whereas... Um, I don't know how to code, so I would need to go out and find the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world to code my idea into reality. Um, so when I, uh, you know, uh, had the idea on that T-shirt, it was around 2010, and I had to go through a lot, a lot of different coders um, to code what I wanted them to do. Um, and there were a lot of tricks that I had to go through because I, I did not want my ideas to be stolen. Um, of course, now we all kind of seen the movie, uh, you know, the show show network. Uh, we don't know the truth or the fairy tales behind that, but uh, that movie was uh, very well made. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, I, and I didn't want my ideas to be stolen. So I went through the heartaches of um, protecting my um uh, um, uh, what I had and finding the right coders to code. Um, it wasn't until 2012, so at least two years later, um, that we finally had an alpha. An alpha is ba- basically a platform where you can see something, but there are probably tons and tons of bugs and nothing probably works right. Um, and then it, it took another two years, which is over to 2014, before I uh, was able to launch beta. Uh, now, beta is a better step. The, 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 you know, the platform is more enhanced. Uh, there are still bugs, but a lot of the features should be working by now. And then we didn't finally launch the entire platform until earlier last year, which was January of 2015. Mm-hmm. So it actually took uh, quite a long time in, in, in the technology world. That's a very long time, like, you know, three, four, five years um, to just launch, but but I'm thankful because Squeaky is the first and only uh, social um, uh, uh, networking platform of its kind um, that has all kinds of features from uh, 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 other networks such as the YouTube, the Kickstarter of the world, um, et cetera, et cetera, all under uh, one roof. So it's very unique, and um, you know, and I'm very thankful, and uh, and and it's a great platform, and. Uh, we're still um, uh, attracting users, uh, generating revenue with uh, advertisement, and uh, it's uh, you know those of your listeners want to check it out, uh, please feel free and go to uh, squeaky.com and that's s q e q e dot com. And we should mention, Jenny, that uh, you trademarked that term um, social net worthing. We're saying worthing, not work. Social net worth. Can you you know that, can you say in a you know a simple single one line or what what exactly that is? Sure, certainly. Uh, yes, I we did trademark social net worthing. Uh, to sim- simply put, uh, Facebook is the king 
of social networking platforms. Um, I myself, when I was on Wall Street, um, the word, the terms net worth, a person's net worth um, is on my mind every single day. So I literally merge social networking with the, sh- the terms net worth um, to become social net worth thing uh, because on Squeaky's platform, for every click that you do, you, you literally building um, yourself the money, building yourself your net worth, as small as it may be, but that's what the term social net worthing means. And, and my forecast is, and this is very bold, that the social media industry will evolutionize into social net worthing very soon. Mm, that'll be, yeah. That's... And Squeaky owns that. That's wonderful. Yeah, it's exciting. Uh-huh. I, you know, I, I'm excited to to continue to follow and and um, and see what happens there. Um, you know, that that leads me to my next question, which actually, you know, when I think of the work that you've done, I would say that you um, are fortunate enough to be both visionary as well as um, you know have the acumen for business. Uh, and finance, and I wondered if you think that that uh, women who are more visionary have um, can they acquire the skills to be successful in business, or should they look to bring in partners and people who can kind of guide them in the right direction? Well, you know, um, I grew up to be the woman that I believe that nothing is impossible. Nothing is impossible. You look at my background, uh, raised as a welfare child. Um, English was my second language, um, you know, but I made it my primary language today. Um, the only thing that I would give all the women or the men out there uh, in terms of starting something um, is um, like what Tish was saying uh, earlier is 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 to uh, try not to doubt yourself, okay? Um, if you thought of the idea, then you're on the path to something great. Um, if you do doubt yourself, then find yourself a great partner. But then again, my advice to that is, is sort of a double-edged sword uh, because sometimes I would advise people not to have a partner because sometimes when they pick the wrong partner, um, it would actually drag you down than than to have a partner. Mm. I've been in the entrepreneurship industry long enough, and I have a vision uh, strong enough so that when I pick a partner, uh, like my partner Shinta, um, we both know that we pick the right one. Uh, but to a startup, um, you know, entrepreneur who may just come out, um, you know, a high five here or a meeting here and there, uh, you know, uh, drinking a beer, having a coffee. Uh, that does not necessarily mean that that partner um, will be great for you. So you have to be very careful uh, when you do have a partner. But when you do pick the right partner, um, it's like, you know, uh, you know, it's made in heaven. Um, so my thoughts and my advice for startups and entrepreneurs um, who are um, starting out, uh, you know, not sure if they – uh, should do it. Should do what they uh, um, uh, the plans that they brought out. 
is to just move forward, okay? Never stop, never doubt yourself. One of the things that I um, always, um, uh, you know, uh, entice other entrepreneurship uh, is taking them back to Wall Street because that was where I was made and that was where I learned a lot of stuff because I believe that Wall Street is one of the few places in the country where people can truly realize their American dream, Wall Street, okay? I, I don't believe I would be where I am today without Wall Street. Wall Street is risky. Wall Street is you can lose all of your money, all of your assets, but it is where Wall Street is that would build your aggressiveness. Um, you know, you put all your money in a certain stock and then you lose it all, but then you you gain from learning why did you lose all your money in that particular stock. So, you know, to any entrepreneur, any startup, um, you know, do your thing, do your startup, but always tie yourself with Wall Street regardless because Wall Street will teach you a lot of things when you actually place that trade, make that first investment, um, win or lose. Wall Street will teach you the aggressiveness, the patience, and the endurance that you need when you become that founder and CEO. So you believe, you know, it's you have to have toughness. Exactly. Yeah. And Wall Street is going to teach you that because – I've seen a lot of my friends who are entrepreneurs, even to this very day, they never invested a penny on any stocks on Wall Street. And when I look at them, they're honestly, they're, they're, they're doing okay, but they're not as wealthy as they should. And, and, and I, would, I would talk to them and I would say, well, why don't you invest in Wall Street? I mean, it's not as if like I'm, I'm a broker dealer. I mean, I'm a broker and I'm making money off of them. No, it's just a basic conversation to understand their mentality. And they basically say, well, you know, I save all my money for my business. I'm afraid that, uh, you know, that if I put my, my $10,000 or $30,000 into Wall Street, I'm going to lose it all. But that goes back to the word insecurity that you, Tish, and I spoke about earlier uh, of your show. Um, that's insecurity because then I would turn around and ask that friend who, you know, who is that startup saying, well, how do you know if your $10,000 would go down the drain and become zero when you put it into Wall Street? And how do you know that that $10,000 doesn't turn into twenty dollars or $50,000? How do you know that? And so, of course, it's the insecurity. And, uh, and my advice is don't be insecure because – um, of course, you win some, you lose some, but every time when you lose some, there is that invaluable lesson from that loss that you will learn that no one is going to teach you except yourself. Mm. Yes, great. That's that's really, you know, um, it, it, that reigns so true about, you know, the greatest lessons are always learned from your challenges and adversities. Um, and taking risks is something, you know, many, many successful entrepreneurs talk about. Um, having the belief and, um, you know, that, that strength to take a risk. Let's talk for a second about raising capital because that is, uh, you know, a huge element and piece of starting your own business. And it goes 
you know, you, you can't, you can have the vision and a good idea and the team and all of that, but um, you have to be able to, to raise capital. What are your tips for doing that, especially for women? Certainly. Well, you know, uh, for all the women entrepreneurs out there, um, you know, we're going to have a tougher time to raise money than the men. I'm going to tell you right off bat with that. Accept it or not, that's the fact of the, ma- the matter. And, and that's the reason why uh, Shinta and I um, founded uh, vcnetwork.co is because we wanted to help more women um, to tap into the men's world, okay? And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're about to revamp the look of VC Network, so keep an eye on that. And we're, once when that is done, we're going to be very aggressive um, at helping uh, more women to catch up to the men. But to answer your question, Susan, um, it doesn't matter if you're a woman founder or you're a man founder. Basically, your startup must have a global vision, okay? When you have a global vision, whatever the products that you're making, okay, it has to be globalized, okay, because now the world is global. There's no longer such thing as, you know, I'm going to make this or that, and I'm just going to sell it locally. Mm. I mean, that's fine, too, but you're welcome to have those kind of thinking. But those kind of thinking may not get you far when it comes to uh, raising money, okay? So because nowadays, uh, if you have an invention, if you have a startup that a VC or an angel investor all the way in India uh can see your project and say, oh, my God, that's a great project. I wanted to toss my $100,000 in there. You want to be able to talk to that kind of investor all the way across, you know, half a world away. So I would advise um, all the entrepreneurs, all the startups, founders, CEO, whatnot, um, you know, the bigger the ideas that you have, more globalized, more more global, um, you know, the chances that you will seek funder, funding around the world will be a lot higher, okay? But if you limit yourself into, I mean, there's nothing wrong with making, you know, um, cookies or, you know, mom and pop, you know, pretzels. Um, those things actually could even sell around the world too. But, you know, you know but ideas that could be only – uh, localized uh, um, growth uh, would probably receive less um, uh, funding startup angels uh, than those with having ideas um, that 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 hits more globally. And again, it, it doesn't matter if you're a woman or a man, uh, but that's where the trend is right now: is is, is global assets and and global investors um, all around the world. It's it's so true, you know, and it's because we have the ability, right? We now have the ability to be global, so you have to think big, and you have to, you know, exactly. you, you have to plan for that. Uh, we just have a, a, a minute left, Jenny, and I, I'd love for you to just give a quick shout-out um, to your best mentor, your mom. Um, you know, I've read that, you know, we talk about mentorship a lot on this show, and she seems to be the main um, drive behind your success and, and who you are today. Do you want to talk about her for a second? 
sure. Well, my mom knows. Uh, you know, I take care of her well now, so she knows how much I love her, and she's been a great mentor um, in my life. Uh, and then besides her, I have many other mentors. Uh, um, you know, my next mentor would be that broker at uh, Shearson Lehman Brothers who gave me uh, a, a lot of great tips uh, that I will never forget. Um, and, and even right now to my uh, partner, Shinta Bubu, um, she uh, is, is great, great. Um, I'm very blessed to have her with me um, on the journey uh, of wherever it's going to take us. Um, next, and uh, you know, and again, um, I'll always, always appreciate uh, those who journey with you, who share or who gave you the advice to be the successful person that you are today. And uh, all of my friends, um, I want to give a shout out to all of my friends, um, and uh, they know who they are, and they know who I am, and I will never change the person that I am, uh, and, and to continue growing and give them the empowerment that they needed along with everybody else who who may cross my path. That's wonderful. I, great words to end the show. And, uh, again, I thank you so much. I know how busy you are, and we appreciate your taking time to share your story with Women to Watch. Well, thank you for having me, Susan. Uh, it's, 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 a, it's an honor, and I greatly appreciate the time today. And if the people are listening who want to be in touch with you, um, is the best place squeaky.com? That is correct. Just okay. go to squeaky.com and click on contact us and you'll find me there. Okay. Thanks, Jenny. Have a great day. That's it, everyone, for this week of Women to Watch. And please check out our website at womentowatch.net. That's women, the number two, watch.net. Have a great week.